So we've been uh, going through a series, uh, a five-week series on, man, for better or worse, so help me God. And so, uh, like I said last week, there's been a couple books that we've kind of used to kind of put this together. The first is uh, a book by uh, Craig and Amy Groeschel called From This Day Forward. Uh, the next book is You and Me Forever by Francis and Lisa Chan. And so if, you, uh, if you've been kind of a part of this going, hey, we do want to just have a checkup as a couple. Hey, You and Me Forever is, is a great uh, study to go through. They have videos that you can go online for free and watch that uh, it's about a, uh, I think it's uh, about an eight week course that you can go through. And so, uh, hey, if you want one of these, just go pick one up uh, at the table there. $10, go grab it for yourself and you'll be good, okay? Um, let's dive in this morning right to where we need to be. Would you turn with your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 19 this morning? Matthew chapter 19. And we've uh, got a lot to cover um, this morning, uh, but it'll seem like it goes really fast. And the only reason why I say that is because I think when I talk about a lot to cover, it means that uh, there is so much background in all of this stuff uh, that I'm going to talk about today. And so um, we are talking about uh, this last week called Never Give Up. Uh, the very first week uh, we talked about, hey, seek God. The second week we talked about fighting fair in our relationships. The third week, we talked about having fun. The fourth week, stay pure. And this week, never give up. And when I talk about never give up this morning, I, I think that there is a, a lot that um, I'm going to be talking about that um, may, um, may bring uh, some feelings in us that maybe we haven't felt before. Um, or that we just haven't dealt with. And so if you're here today, and I'm just going to get this out, if you're here today and you have been divorced before. I want to let you know that today is not a sermon to make you feel incredibly horrible about where you're at in life. Because today's sermon may bring a lot of guilt and shame to you. Or some feelings that go, well, what did I do wrong or did I mess up or anything like that? There's a thing with God that says his grace like rain covers us. And so we move forward now and we take on the gift of God and we say, God, help me move forward. But as I was realizing this uh, sermon, as I was going, going to talk about divorce and some other things, in terms of never giving up, I thought about other things. I, I thought about, what about the marriages that somebody has been ailing for a really, really long time? And they've just been struggling to find any sense of, man, how do I keep on going when my spouse is sick and just going through lots of pain and struggling? And I want to give you hope today that, hey, when you look at it going, yeah, but you don't understand, I'm at my last straw, I'm barely holding on. I hope that today's sermon gives you hope in terms of understanding that God is always with you and walking with you. This is not a sermon to make us feel bad or guilty, but this is a sermon in which wants to give hope and say, hey, let's move forward. I mean, some of you, if you remember, your vows at the very beginning we, we took, right? Hey, I, I promise to love and to cherish till death do us part. And I want to think about that in our mind and our mindset at the very end of this. Till death do us part. We never give up. And I'll tell you why we never give up in just a second. But let's read Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 3. And if you don't have your Bibles, hey, and you see somebody next to you with a Bible, scoot over to them and read off of theirs. Or if you don't feel comfortable uh, doing that, just look on the side screen and we'll, we'll read this together. Here we go. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus replies, Have you, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning. God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. 
And I, I love that. Underline it, circle it, whatever you can do. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. And I know that in your uh, bulletin it says stop there, but I'm going to keep reading. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they replied. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. And I love this, I love this conclusion. Here we go, verse 10. Jesus' disciples then said to them, well, if this is the case, maybe we shouldn't marry. <laughs> like, they just come to that conclusion. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe it's, do you know, like I go the nth degree all the time, right? Like, in my, I, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go there. So, uh, man, if this is the case, I love Jesus' disciples. Uh, they crack me up. But one, one of the things that I, I want to get over um, with some of this is this. Is, the, is verse 8. But Ma Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. How many of you guys know somebody with a hard heart? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> or you could. Uh, how many of you understand that you have a hard heart? That you want what you want. That you actually do most things out of your own happiness. Trying to create that I'm happy. Gary Smalley says something interesting. He says, what if marriage is to make you holy than it is more than to make you happy? Let me say that again. What if marriage is more to make you holy than it is to make you happy? What if we could read this verse and we could realize that when Moses permitted divorce, he was only saying it because you guys were hard-hearted anyway and you were going to do it whether, you wanted to, whether I told you no or not. Because we know that we're sinful people. And if we looked at this in, in terms of maybe being a little bit more hard-hearted hard and saying, or actually joyful-hearted, saying, I'm just never going to give up. No matter what happens, I'm just not going to give up. Because if you'll remember back at the very first week that we asked you guys to seek God together, how hard has that been to do that with your spouse? Man, that is incredibly difficult to then all of a sudden change gears and go, no, we think that God is so amazing that we just want to follow him together. How many of you have prayed every day with your wife since I asked you to pray with them? Whew, don't answer that one either. And then we moved on to fighting fair. Man, how many of you guys have looked at your spouse and assumed that they were right? Doesn't mean that they were right, but just assume that they were right so you can have a conversation because it's more easier to get to the point of a solution than it is to continue to fight that you're right. To come to a solution together. I would have to say that most of us are hard-hearted in that. We still want to be right. I mean, and how many of you guys have spent time having fun with one another? Man, shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. Face-to-face -face time. And all the men remember the last one, which is belly button to belly button time. Or how about last week when I said, hey, fight to stay pure in your marriage. I'd have to say that we can only start this sermon out by understanding how much of sinners we actually are. How much we fall short every single day. And then, once we start there, it all gets better from that there. Like, I don't, once again, I don't want you to feel like, man, we're horrible people. But we need to start with this because what if marriage was more to make us holy than it was to make us happy? What if we could get to this point where I want to be more like God all the time? Because when I seek God, when I fight fair, when I have fun, and when I stay pure, man, it, it's not that hard to never give up anymore. I'm not 
at the point in my relationship with my spouse where I just want to give up. I actually want to keep moving forward. I never want to give up. So I want to talk about how we do that a little bit this morning and how we walk through that together. And so in all of this stuff, in what, in what we've read at the very beginning, we're going to go back to verse 4 in Matthew chapter 19, what Jesus said. He said, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's, that is a beautiful picture of, of marriage right there, that two become one. I mean, picture it this way. Picture if I was to take two pages out of this book and I was to super glue every single piece of these, this paper together, man, these two pages become one. What would it look like if I tried to separate them? You wouldn't know where you wouldn't, you would have no semblance of it. Man, this is what it means is that actually we do become one. It doesn't mean that we lose everything we have and we're not a single person anymore. It's that know that this becoming one is hugely important. It means that we work together, that we strive together. But here's the problem. This is what happens with most of us, okay? We come into a marriage, and if you're taking notes, here's the very first one is this. We need to realize that marriages are a covenant, not a contract. At this very moment, you need to realize that your marriage, whatever, if you're married, the marriage you're in is not a contract. You did not sign a piece of paper with your wife. You signed a marriage certificate, yes, but you did not sign a piece of paper that said, if she does this, then I'll do this, or if he does this, then I'll do that. God has always been in his, in his scripture about covenants, not based on what you will do, but based on what I will do. Over and over again, God says, it's okay, you're a sinner, it's all right. I will send my son, Jesus Christ, to, to die for your sins and cover your sins. And so when two people become one, it's not contract. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. Here's what a contract is. Contracts are signed out of distrust. Contracts are signed out of distrust. Well, I hope this person will do this, so I'm going to sign them to a contract to make sure that they do this. You did not sign a contract when you got married. So on the flip side, covenants are made out of mutual commitment. Covenants are made out of mutual commitment. It means that we both choose to superglue ourselves together. It doesn't mean that God all of a sudden goes, well, I'm, now I'm going to superglue you because you guys chose this. No, we choose to superglue ourselves together. We're choosing that what we want to do is we want to seek God and fight fair and have fun and stay pure together. The problem is we're incredibly hard-hearted. And as soon as somebody does something, our spouse specifically, does something to us that goes against what we want, we all of a sudden begin to say, well, that's not right. Instead of actually working things together. A mutual commitment with one another is not saying, well, hey, if my wife does this, I will do this. I don't love my wife this is going to sound really strange to you all. I don't love my wife because she is always lovable. Right? Look, you know your spouse is not always lovable. And my spouse is amazing. She is better than all y'all's spouses. But I'm telling you that because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I desire to love my wife. 
uh, seems so backwards. It seems absolutely backwards to the world. I love my wife not because she's lovable, because guess what? Just this weekend, we got into it, right? Just, just, she just looks at me, and I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? And then we start this argument, right? And it's not even, it's how I'm perceiving it. I need to remember that I have a mutual commitment, a covenant. And when I made a covenant, it was not... It was not just me by myself. It was with me and my wife and with God. And we worked to become one. And so, once again, let me talk about this. What if marriage is more to make you holy than to make you happy? And holiness is this, is that we reflect God's glory all the time. And so when my wife or I am unlovable, we choose to love one another. And who gets the glory? God does. God gets the glory, which is what we talked about last week, is what is the mission of your marriage? Is the mission of your marriage just simply to stay together? Or is it to have a mutual commitment with one another in which everything we do glorifies God? Because here's the deal, as much as I want to do things for my wife so that I can get this, what if this never happens? You know, we, we talked, Brian talked about uh, having face-to-face time and having shoulder-to-shoulder time does not equal belly-button-to-belly-button time, right? And so when we talk about having a relationship with one another and mutual commitment, it is not trying to get the other one to do what I want them to do. It's to love them always and no matter what the situation is, going, God, what have you asked me to do as a husband or a wife? And here's the deal. A lot of you are in some situations in which, in your marriage, that you're saying, but you don't understand. We are at a standstill where they've done so many things to me that I I can't get over it. I can't move on. Or I've tried face-to-face time and she doesn't want to do shoulder-to-shoulder time or we don't fight fair because every time I try to bring up something, they just pile something on top of me like, oh yeah, well you do this and I do this. There's a verse that I think incredibly explains the point of going, if you're at your wit's end, if you're sitting there going, I don't know what's happening. Man, I, I, we need to understand where we're at and where we're going. And so there's uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Flip with me there. Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9. I love this verse because I think that, uh, I love these verses because I I think that first it shows um, some of our unwillingness and our hard-heartedness, right? If we get to this point of going, I just want to give up in a relationship, I wonder if we could look at this and go, okay, what what have I done? What is, what, what is, uh, what is my responsibility in this? So let's read this together. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing and we won't and we don't give up. Let me read that verse 9 again. So let's not get tired of doing what is good and at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. When we never give up we need to remember this first thing that we reap what we sow. If you are in a point in your marriage in which you guys are consistently fighting over and over again and not getting any traction, I wonder if you need to stop and go, well, what have I been sowing into this? 
And do I have, am I actually looking at this as a contract? Am I not trusting this person? Am I getting to the point in which I, you know, I just don't even want to talk to them. And so I've completely stonewalled and don't say anything to my spouse anymore. If you remember that you reap what you sow, I think that changes the way we can look at our relationship and never giving up. If you are coming to the point where you're sitting there and going, man, I, I, am, I, I am not getting any traction in my conversations. In fact, my, my wife doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Well, have you allowed her to talk to you? Or are you just talking because you want something out there? How about this? What about finances? We know that finances are a huge part of a relationship in which, man, if finances aren't good in marriage, man, we, <laughs> we just want to give up. I wonder if you've been sowing great things to be able to reap them well. Are you being a person who's living with margin or are you just going crazy in which doesn't allow you to have any peace in your marriage to talk about those things, to process those things with one another. Man, I feel so distant from my spouse. Well, are you spending time with them? Or are you so consumed with all of your hobbies that your hobbies become way more important than your relationship with your spouse? And the second is absolutely true of this, if you're, if you're taking notes with me, is this, is that we reap where we sow. We reap where we sow. Last week we talked about staying pure. And we talked about the idea that how often do we take things in, into our marriage bed that aren't pure. Sometimes it might look like, hey, men have been looking at pornography. Sometimes it may look like, hey, when we get into bed, the very first thing we do is get on our phones and keep scrolling through Facebook and never talk to one another. Sometimes it's the emotional affair that we feel like we can talk to a different, we can talk to a person more than we can talk to our own spouse. Here's the problem, though, is those all circumvent what a covenant is. And a covenant is a mutual commitment to one another. So we're mutually working on them. And so even though you feel like maybe you can't talk to your spouse, you need to talk to your spouse. We reap where we sow. And so the more time the more talents, the more treasures you put everywhere else and not in your marriage. You're giving up a little more and more all the time. Man, we reap where we sow. And some of us, I'm telling you, some of us might not have just that great of a grasp on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe we need to work on it a little bit more. Maybe we need to get to the place of going, yeah, these things are great, but I still don't get it. I still don't understand. How do I, how do I change? And we're going to go back to last week is this, is, hey, would you just be willing to admit where you're at? I'm about to give up. I don't want to, but I'm about to. Or, hey God, would you show me where I've been sowing wrongly? Hey God, would you show me what I've been sowing wrongly? God, would you help me repent from this? Would you help me turn away and actually focus on my marriage? Because I don't want to give up, God. Because I think it boils down to this, right back in Matthew chapter 29, is that we have hard hearts. That we need a heart change. That we need the process of going, God, something isn't right in my life and I need it to change. And you're the only one that has the ability to do that. 
And that is what, that is what the kingdom of God is about. Man, started all the way at the very beginning, and I love the fact that Jesus goes back to Genesis when he talks about marriage, that, hey, this is the way God created it, and we've gone so far and messed it up, and we have distrust, and we don't want to be mutually committed to each other, and we're, we're sowing in all the wrong places, and we're sowing all the wrong things. And then we realize our need for Christ to change what's going on in our hearts. Because here's the deal, is I'm telling you, you can look at the person right next to you who you're married to, or maybe the person you like, and, and you can go, man, at some point you're going to make me really upset. And at some point, we're not going to have what it feels like to have an amazing marriage like we think that everybody else does. But it doesn't mean that we give up. It means that we go, Jesus Christ, would you please change my heart? Would you please help me? Because I'm telling you, a lot of you in this room are completely, actually, let's put it this way, all of you in this room are unlovable. I'm sorry, if I were to leave you all by yourselves or let you do exactly what you wanted, no, there'd be a lot of people in this room that wouldn't like you. If people knew, I mean, just think of it right now. Some of you already are thinking tons of things about this sermon. And if I knew all of them, you would not be my friends. <laughs> Actually, probably quite a bit of you would be. But what I mean is this, is that we do get hard-hearted. And we need a heart change. Man. God, would you, and then as we have this heart change, God would reveal things to us that we'd be shocked by. Maybe God would give us the courage to change a job somewhere. Maybe God would encourage us to spend a little bit more time, drop some of our, drop some of our uh, hobbies and just go, no, I want to focus on this a bit more. I'm not going to give up because this is the one relationship I'm not going to get messed up on because Jesus Christ has brought us together and we're going to keep on moving forward. Now here's the deal. Like I told you at the very beginning that I know that some of you are married to people who don't believe like you do. And I know that they still struggle with going, hey, I, I, I don't have a relationship with God, and you do. What do we do with that? And I want to leave us at something this morning um, that, I, that I found incredibly encouraging. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, and it's verses 1 through 7. And in this, as we look at the terms of, of never giving up and wanting to sow in the right places and wanting to sow the right things, I think this is a great encouragement to kind of wrap it all together at the very end of all of this. And it says this. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news... Your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. There is a whole lot there, and here's some things that I want you to really um, quickly understand. We always, as people, because we want to be happy, focus on all the wrong things. When I read this right away, if I was a woman, I would say, "My husband doesn't deserve authority over me," and completely skip the next few parts. And then go, ah, I need a new haircut, I need expensive jewelry, and I need beautiful clothes. Right now I'm not a woman. And a lot of you guys are like, you totally missed us women. 
But here's what I find is incredibly interesting, is the only reason why we would allow ourselves to be under the authority of our husband is this, is so that even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. That you desire holiness way more than you desire to be the control of your life. That is phenomenal to me. Because here's, I think, what we get all up, uh, all, what we get, man, uh, missing is, is that, man, if I would just change my hairstyle, if I would actually adorn myself with better stuff and I'd have better clothes, maybe my husband would then, maybe my husband would then like me or change the way he communicates with me or is with me. But Jesus, God says, no, that's, that's not where you should at. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The beauty that comes from within is Jesus Christ living in your heart as you live out your life with the Holy Spirit. That as you sit there and you go, I don't understand what's going on. Jesus Christ, I need you to enter in me more, enter in and continue to talk more and more to my hard heart because I am incredibly hard-hearted towards my husband right now. I don't want to follow his way. I don't want to listen to what he has to say because doggone it, I'm right and I want what I want. Man, no. God, I want you to show me what's right by my inward beauty, by following you and by doing what you're asking to do. I mean, can you imagine that part? Just, just even verse 6. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham. Do you, do you know what Abraham did to Sarah? They were like going into this new country. They were going to Egypt. And this is what he says. Hey, you're really hot. And so I don't want like this uh, Egyptian, I don't want the Pharaoh to kill me. And then like you'll just be widowed and taken away. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to be my sister. That's what we're going to do. You're going to be called my sister so that we can get through this together. Sounds crazy. And it, it wasn't the right thing to do. In fact, actually, God proves it over that, Abraham, it wasn't the right thing for you to do that. You should have trusted me. But even in that moment when, God doesn't, when, when Abraham doesn't trust God, Sarah still trusts him, still trusts Abraham, and they worked it through. And so, ladies, I encourage you and I, and I get excited that, man, would you be willing to work on your hearts? That in terms of never giving up, that you would ask God to see, search your heart. Man, Psalms 139. God, search my heart and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Cool? Great. Men. This one's a hard one. Because in this one, women, God always hears you. In this next section, men, God doesn't always hear you because of this. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wives with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And the very first thing that I, I just want to um, focus on when I, when I look at this is, um, when, I, when I read this section as a man, I just want to focus on, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, and then be done with it, right? Man, how, how many of us men give honor to our wives? We're going to go back to a little bit, back to that face-to-face -face time. How many of you are willing to be close with your wives, to be open with them, to seek understanding? How many of you esteem your wives and tell them they're doing a great job? How many of you take every opportunity to honor your wife? Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. And here's the next part. How many of you treat your wife like she's weaker than you when really she's your equal? 
And a lot of times we think, men, that as we go to work or that we come home or, or whatever happens, that our wives don't understand what's going on, that our wives will never really get it, and that they don't understand the stress that we put onto ourselves. But if we're mutually committed to one another, man, as we seek to honor and understand them, we allow them into our lives. We are really actually not the authority over them then. It just means that sometimes the buck stops with us. I really am afraid of this last phrase. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. If we don't treat our wives like they should be treated, this is what it's saying. God will not hear your prayers. God is not really concerned about listening to you. Your prayers are hindered. Or another way you could say it is this, is that God is concerned about them, but he's got so many other things that you have to do in your heart. You're hard-hearted to change so that your prayers aren't actually hindered, that actually you're praying for the right things then and not the wrong things is really another way to look at this. Is that when we treat our wives, which the way we should be treated, our prayers actually change. Instead of going, dear Margaret, would you, or dear God, would you just help dear Margaret do what she's supposed to do in this marriage? It becomes, hey God, would you please help me to figure out how to honor my wife and how to understand her better? Because God, I want to follow you. I don't want to have a hard heart and I don't want to be praying the wrong things. And so, when we start to never give up, we realize that what we're going through right now is not the end all. But it is a chance maybe that we can become a little bit more holy. Maybe it is a chance where we get to be able to say, God, what are you doing in our marriage right now that may need to change my heart? Because God, I am hard-hearted. I do have a deceitful heart. But I want to be holy then more than I want to be happy because, man, when we are seeking holiness, man, we, we do become happy. Because we know we're glorifying God no matter what and that everything he's got taken care of. I wanted to get into a little bit more of other things, but I, I'm, I'm not going to this morning because um, I want to get into the heart of allowing you to spend time with God this morning. And so I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come forward. And, and this morning we get to uh, take communion together. And what a, what a great place to be to come to the point of asking God what's in your heart that uh, you are hard-hearted in. The scripture says this, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, says this, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking in the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And we get the moment today to say, God, what is in our hearts? As we remember what you've done on the cross, we also remember how we have gone astray. As we take the bread and eat, as we take the bread and drink the cup, we are actually laying our lives down and saying, God, your way is way more important than my way. God, I desire yours way more than I desire my way. Because my way will always lead to giving up. Or just never giving up for all the wrong reasons for not glorifying God at all, but actually for glorifying myself. And so today we're going to take communion together, and this is what I ask you, is that um, 
is that I ask you that before you do, you spend the time, spend time with God saying, I want you more than anything else. And when you can say that you want God more than anything else, and that you want His life, His death, and His resurrection to be all about your life, come up. Because I don't want you taking communion just because everybody else does. In fact, actually, if you can't take communion or you choose not to, nobody around here is going to go, well, why did that person not take communion? That's okay. But communion is saying, I repent and I know what you did on the cross, Jesus. That you change hearts and that you change lives and you change my mind. And so we ask that you would profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before you take communion. And for those of you who have little kids, I, that is up to you as parents to lead them into taking communion. That is up to you to be able to say, this is what communion means, and help them take that. And while the song is going, uh, oh, come to the table, I wonder, would you be willing to look at your heart this morning and go, God, if for those of you who are believers, would you come and go, God, I need your help. I know I am sinful in this area of my life. God, I, I, I'm close to giving up, but I, I don't want to anymore. Because God has the ability to change lives. God has the ability to reach into your heart and pull out the unforgiveness that you might have, to pull out the bitterness, the anger that you might have, or also to give you forgiveness for the shame and the guilt that you might feel. Because from this day forward, we can move on. And we can take on the things of Christ and we can go, this is what's important to us. And so I'm going to read this to you and this is how we're going to take communion is Brian and I are just going to be in these sections out here and you can come up the aisles, just go out the, go out the outside aisles after you've done taking communion. You don't have to take communion right when you grab it. You can go back to your seat and you can continue to worship and think about this and say, God, I, I want to search my heart. This could be the Sunday that's the turning point in your relationship today. This could be the moment in which you say, God, I have not sought you well with my partner that I have not fought fair for a really long time, that I have not had fun whatsoever and I want to have fun by having face-to-face -face time and shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time and belly button to belly button time. And God, that I want to stay pure and I haven't been staying pure, but God, today is the stake in the ground. I need a heart change. And God, I don't want to give up even though I feel like giving up. Would you be willing to work a little bit this morning while they sing and uh, you don't have to come up right away we have a couple songs to take communion with but would you be willing to spend the time just you quietly by yourself you don't even have to look at anybody else and see what they're doing and just say I want to spend the time with God God would you search my heart so let me read this to you for I passed on to you what I received from the Lord Jesus Christ himself that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in the pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus gave freely his body to die on the cross so that you could have a relationship with God. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Jesus fulfills the covenant with us that he would die and his blood would cover our sins so that God would not look at us as sinful wretches and not be around us, but that we could have a relationship with him. And so this is what we are doing today when we take communion. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray.
God, first and foremost, I, I want to focus on my relationship with you or our relationship with you that if there are people out here who have never given their lives over to you, God, would you, would you enter their hearts and show them what's going on with their life? God, would you dive in and help them realize that they're okay, that you love them and that, that uh, you want them to give their lives over to you. Because this life is about giving you the most glory and instead of, man, always seeking our own happiness. So God, if there's anybody out there, would you just please speak to them today? Show yourself new that they've never seen before. And God, for those of us who do have a relationship with you, Lord, would we maybe start to focus a little bit more on where our hearts are hardened in our relationship to one another. That God, you would reveal those things to us and that, that God, you would work in us, that we would repent and that we would say, thank you for, for covering those wrong, hard-hearted spots. And that we would start the process today of repairing those relationships especially, especially with our spouse, Lord. That, God, we would seek your holiness more than anything else. So, God, be all over our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you can't get up off your seat and you would like communion to be served to you, Dan will come around. Just stay seated and raise your hand. And uh, Dan will come around and serve you guys and he'll uh, serve you guys communion. Uh, for the rest of you, just spend time, please, talking with God for a little bit and then come up when you're ready to take communion. And between you, just do that silently. Don't, you don't need to disturb the person around you. Thanks. We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. Yeah.
song about uh, God's grace through his son. Uh, no matter how bad a spouse as we are, he is always looking to spend that time with us and have us with him forever. We'll continue with the song. Hope you uh, continue with the time of the Spirit of God. It's a song called We Believe. God's going to keep his part of the covenant. We believe that just by believing, God's going to hold up his end. And he makes that covenant with us knowing he's getting into a covenant, into a contract, into a covenant with sinners. And whenever I do a wedding, that's one of the first things I say is, this is silly. We're getting two sinners. We're joining them together and having them live together for the rest of their lives. Just two imperfect people. 
and we want them to all be happy. But that's where we lose the focus, is just as Seth said today, we're not, the goal of marriage actually isn't happiness, it's, it's holiness. And so God allows us to join ourselves together with one person that's gonna hopefully make us more holy, and we're hopefully gonna do the same to them. And, and, and in that, we sinners covenantly join together and so if you're a wife, if you're a husband, if you're divorced, if you're going to get married someday, we gotta th- try to think closer and closer to God. And, and the fact is that it does not matter. Our spouse, what they do, shouldn't matter. And that's, if, if it mattered with God what we did, we definitely wouldn't have this covenant. We wouldn't have communion today. And so as a husband, you don't say, X, Y, and Z, and I'll do X, Y, and Z. You say, I'm gonna be the best darn husband I can be. So one day when the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant, you know that he's talking to you and your wife. I can't wait for the day, and I, and I really pray that God gives me the opportunity to, to hear him say that to my wife. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And in her head, she'll think, ah, I've, I've done well, I've, I've made it. Like, like me and God, we, we did it all right. And I'm gonna be like watching and I'm gonna go, yeah, I helped with that right there, right? And we get like some, I don't know if God's gonna let me do that. But then, then I think also somehow weirdly that like God's gonna allow my wife to see the same thing. And God's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant. My wife's gonna go, yeah. See, we lived so closely for so long. We did it, we did it. And if your only goal in life is to make sure that your husband or your wife makes it to heaven, you've done a good job. And the better we do at that, the more people we're gonna bring with us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for never giving up on us. We have an entire Old Testament of so many opportunities for you to pass us by, to you, for you to just forget about us, for you to just leave us unsaved, unloved, and the sinners that we are, but Lord, you never gave up. And we see the culmination of your never giving up on the cross and in your blood and your broken body to pay for our sins. And Lord, I pray today that we can translate that into our example on this earth of your relationship with us as a church and our marriages that we can never give up. Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna fail just like we do in everything else, but I pray that we can come close to looking like you. And the only reason for that is for your glory, Lord, your amazing, unending glory that you deserve. Lord, we love you. We leave all these requests to the most level playing field there is, the foot of the cross. And all God's people said, amen.